I wanted to do Bodhi because he's wild. He's got wild blonde hair. He's got scars and a beard. And he's, uh, he's interesting. He's charming. He's strange. He's crazy. He's uh, reactionary. He's sensitive. He's... Uh, so it gave me, it just gave me a chance to not just be Mr. Leading Man and to go out on, and not just carry the movie. You know, it's really Keanu's movie or, or our movie to get. You know, and um, it just gave me a chance to stretch myself more as an actor. And was this something that they wanted to know about you before you got the role? Did they say, no. do you surf or would you surf? No, because my character just had to fall off the board. You know, and I, and by the end I had to ride a couple of waves, and and I could do that. But that wasn't the main concern with Catherine. Um, she was more interested in the physicalness of uh, the character, his demeanor, and how he, how he was. So I had to, you know, train for that. You know, that was more important than the surfing. Yeah, very unpredictable. Yeah. Didn't know what was coming next, which is the key to enjoyment when you're making it. Not to say when you're watching it, but when you're making it, there's got to be some surprises coming at you. So when you deliver the scenario, it's a surprise to yourself at the moment it's going on in the film. Therefore, the audience is going to be captured in the rapture of the moment. You wanna see and you wanna see Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean You wanna see and you wanna see Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me Seen it all with Jeff and John Hey everybody, welcome to Seen It All with Jeff and John The podcast where we break down our favorite scenes from our favorite movies I am Jeff Glover Sorry, I just burped in somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but we're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, I'll edit that part out. I am John Zabriskie. Uh, no. <laughs> it, went, it went. It went. I got. <laughs> I got. I, I got to start over. I got. There's our cold open. If we had cold opens. Um. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Seen It All with Jeff and John, the podcast where we break down our favorite scenes from our favorite movies. I am Jeff Glover. And I'm John Zabriskie. And in this episode, I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. <laughs> Standout line. Oh uh, yeah. And what, what does the little hand say? Uh, what? What is the what? Isn't that what they say? Isn't that the quote? It's the little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Boy, we're off to a great start here. Yeah, burping and <laughs> grunting and messing oh up our God. lines. Oh, man. Well, that's right, everybody. We are talking about a scene from the 1991 action, crime, surfing, heist, classic Point break. On the coast of Southern California, you can only surf, party, and make love for so long. Before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll. 27 banks in three years. Everybody free! Anything to catch the perfect wave. I'm not a crook. Patrick Swayze. Fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Keanu Reeves. And you think I joined the FBI to learn to surf? Point 
I am an FBI agent. I am an FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was something else to watch. I, I have to say, I for one, I could not believe how many lines um, I could pull from at least the first half of the movie that are just yeah. these well-known lines, like. What what a what a delight this was to watch! Really, for the first time, I know I said last episode it was probably one I hadn't seen in a long time, and that's kind of true. And the fact that <laughs> I hadn't seen this movie really in forever, I've probably seen like bits and pieces and like scenes now and again, but I had never seen this movie front to back. I don't know how oh, it made wow. it this far. Growing up on Terminator and Commando and Predator and Die Hard. How did Point Break escape me, Jeff? I have no idea. So this was your first front to back watch? This has, this has to be the first, yeah, front to back. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this, uh, you know, 30 years later or whatever since this was made. <laughs> um, that's funny. This is one that I've seen a countless number of times. Uh, mm. was a, a staple of my uh, v- you know, movie viewing as a teen. Um, I did realize that watching it though, I had a little bit of a revelation like you did in that I realized I had seen the first half of this movie way more times than the the second half. And I mm-hmm. had forgot a couple things about the ending, but um, no, this is, um, this is one of my kind of touchstones. This is when you talk about movies that I watched over and over again as a kid, as a teenager, that I watched on cable anytime it would show up. Uh, the point breaks in that conversation. It's on, on that list for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, what is it about point break that really just like cements it as a, as a go-to, you know, watching it when I was younger, I think it was just the excitement of the movie. I loved the idea that they found a way to like jam together a whole bunch of cool, like surfing action into a crime movie that has a lot of action that also has a heist in it. Like I'm a sucker for any, any heist, like mm-hmm. if a movie has a heist in it, I'm watching it. So this just, um, just really tickled that funny bone, that heist bone, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> the heist bone. The heist bone. Yeah. <laughs> but this is another one of those that I feel like I've talked to you about this before. Like there are so many of these movies that I watched when I was younger like a lot of action movies, you know, and then I got older and into my twenties and late teens, twenties and my movie watching kind of shifted a little bit. And I was watching a lot more like serious movies or mm. going back and watching a lot more classics that I had never seen back. back. And, um, you know, I kind of, um, I would think back on these movies and, and when I talked to other people about them, I would, almost like them say that I liked them kind of ironically, you know, Mm. um, like, like a pretentious douche. And, you know, later on in my life, like when I got into my thirties, I got fascinated with the idea of going back and revisiting a lot of these older movies. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them we've talked about, you know, Terminator two predator, um, first blood, stuff like that. And, um, predator two, predator (laughs) two. It's a classic. (laughs) And upon rewatching them, I just I've I've realized that there's a reason why I liked these movies when I was younger. Like they just they they hold up in terms of the way they're put together, the action. Um, I think the performances in this movie are great. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think a lot of people tend to pan Keanu Reeves early in his career, but I actually think he's really perfect for this role. I don't know. This is just one of those that. 
I can jump in at any time and I kind of know where I am and I can watch a little bit of it and I can jump out whenever I want to. And it's just a really easy movie to, um, to just kind of put on and enjoy in a casual way. I really enjoy how this movie is really just like a whole bunch of action scenes put together. Just you jump from scene to scene and there's like a little bit of talking, a little bit of plot and dialogue in between the scenes but it's just action set piece after action set piece. If they're not jumping out of the plane, they're surfing. Right. Or they're right. Partaking, in the, partaking in the car chase slash foot chase, which we'll talk about. Um, but it's just, just so many action scenes strung together. Uh, it, it is just, yeah, just, just your like peak of action movie uh, And it's coming out the same year as Terminator two. So like, I, I, I think you can't go wrong picking, Maybe some Terminator 2 and then this or this and then Terminator 2. I would probably do T2 first and then mm-hmm, sure. this kind of uh, palate cleanser of like all the seriousness of the apocalypse with just like <laughs> surfing bank robbers. <laughs> I know. I know. Like like on paper, this movie seems insane. Um, but, you know, I really do feel like the script and the directing and the performances like really pull it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the performances in this movie are great. Like Keanu Reeves uh, is like the perfect guy for this role because he's just believable enough as a cop. Like you, you, you can let yourself get there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that he's a cop. Okay. He's an FBI agent. Like, uh, I don't know. He's FBI a little young. agent. I'm an FBI agent. I am an FBI agent. He's a little young. He doesn't seem that smart, <laughs> you right. know, um, but uh, okay. Like I can, I can let that go. I can buy that. But then on the other end, like I can 100% see him as a guy that's learning how to surf you know, mm-hmm. he's perfect in that. And I think the low key MVP of this movie is maybe not low key is Patrick Swayze. I think Patrick Swayze is fantastic in this uh, movie. I was going to say Gary Busey is my low key MVP oh, he, for. He's great too. I was about oh my to. God, it's to like they just put a camera on Gary Busey and they're like, all right, Gary, you're in the FBI. Go. And he's like, I want, I want two meatballs. Let me, let me work on my Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want two meatball subs. Yeah. Make, make it two. I should have made it three. I could eat, I could eat the asshole end of a, what is it? A diseased rhino. I could eat the ass end of a dead rhino. I'm so hungry. I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. Isn't it funny how he goes from predator to where he's like the kind of off the mm. little bit off his rocker. I don't know like, what you call it. Government like, black like ops. Serious government agent, man. Yeah. But it's, he's still given like the, it's a fucking alien. Like, and he's just like, right. he has a hard on for the predator of that movie, a fucking alien. And in this movie, he's, he still has his kind of his out there wacky kind of theory, which pays off again. It's like, he goes from like the movie LA slash FBI agent to this movie. Sorry from predator Two, Yeah. Kind of like believing in aliens to now like making this really crazy connection um, that ends up, as the real connection, of course, with this, <laughs> the surfing bank robbers. Yeah. Uh, but it just, it just, his goofiness, his charm, um, his recklessness as an FBI agent, like how did this guy survive this long <laughs> in the service, like running into gun battles and just having his back to the action half the time. I know, uh, like reading just, the funny papers in the stakeout car yeah. while eating meatball subs. I love this guy. Like I, yeah, I, I look up to Gary Busey in this movie. This guy is is yeah, he's kind of 
yeah, kind of worthy of uh, emulating in your career if, if you're, yeah, wanted to make it in the FBI. 100%. Like, <laughs> he's like, who, is there a more lovable asshole than Gary Busey? Like, I don't think so. He's so much fun in this movie. And you can tell he's having a good time. Yeah. I, I, I always have wondered, like, how many of his lines did he ad lib or improv or change in the moment? Give me two. And Catherine Bigelow was like, yep, keep it. That's good. <laughs> you know, he's a he's a great counterpart counterpart to Keanu in this role. Like he it, it, I don't know. It, I love his sort of evolution as a character where he's sort of this. I won't say washed up, but he's a little bit jaded in the job he's doing. Mm-hmm. And Keanu comes in and sort of reignites that fire. And um, I mean, who else would you want to set a fire underneath than Gary Busey? You know, <laughs> does <laughs> he, he need a fire Busey. lit under him? Or yeah, he just goes full Busey. And I, I, yeah, I, I freaking He's, love it. Yeah, yeah, he goes full Busey. I, I love Busey. But you're talking about Patriot. Pa- Patriot. You're talking about Patrick Swayze being your MVP. Why? I I just think his performance in this movie is fantastic. Um, mm. Swayze's a, a great actor, as we know, mm-hmm. but um, he just strikes a balance um, playing this character that I think it would be really hard for a lot of actors. He's He does exactly what he's supposed to do, which is come across as this kind of, uh, you know, he's this surfer god. He's, he's uh, well known among in the surfing circles, but he also balances that thing where he's like, acting like he's your friend, but at the same time, you're never quite sure if there's something else going on in the background. You're never quite sure if he's genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a hard, that's a hard role to play. Um, and not every actor could do that. Like he does. He holds back just enough so that you have a sense that he's hiding something. Sure. Um, it feels like there's a side to his personality that we haven't seen. Now we, as the audience member know that he is one of the bank robbers, right? We know that very early on in the film. That's right. Um, we know. Yeah. But so we are sort of watching this off to the side, kind of trying to figure out is Keanu going to, is he ever going to like give something away to Johnny Utah? Is he, is he going to say something, do something that's going to give away what he is actually doing in this film? And I don't know. He just, he plays that role so well. it's completely believable to me. I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but I just think he's really, really good and completely understood the part that he was supposed to be playing with this character. Yeah. I think he, uh, he understood what he was being asked to do. He's, he's basically like a cult leader when it comes to recruiting Johnny Utah, because he looks like a cult leader too, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. He looks like a cult. Like, let's just hang out. Let's just be peaceful. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of have my own thing going on, my own goals, my own agenda. But yeah, he, he just, just really gives off these strong vibes of, like, no, no, don't follow me. But like, you, you maybe want to be like me. You want to be a surfer bro and just hanging out. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. He comes, he comes off as a really charismatic. Yeah. Like I said, cult leader to me. Um, and he, he was just always good at that um, in his career in movies, just being that magnetic, that charismatic personality. Uh, who, who you wanted to know more about, who you wanted to hang out with, who you wanted to say things like, 
Yeah, it's all good, Johnny. Yeah, you just yeah, just <laughs> let it go. Just yeah, we're gonna do this. We're gonna have a good jump. Just yeah, just just doesn't that feel like you're alive? It, it's it's such an interesting character in that he has to balance in that character being this just cold blooded cold excuse me, a cold blooded bank robber. Yeah, uh, with the free and easy adrenaline seeking surfer slash skydiver it's just it sounds silly to say all that together as like that is one person in this movie that is like the primary driver of this plot but he just pulls it off so well and he just i mean it looks damn good doing it too he's just like oh wow what a what a hunk to be doing this like i could see um how maybe part of the allure is just like being around this hunk and like wanting to do hunky things with this Hunk is doing hunk hunk hunk. <laughs> I know what a what a good looking guy in this movie. Yeah, has, has Swayze ever looked uh, this good in any other movie? I mean, maybe uh, Dirty Dancing. Uh, maybe Dirty uh, Dancing, but I mean, like here he's just like surfing. He's pulling off all the action. Yeah, um, he's got his shirt off all the time. Was he in action movies very much though? I mean, I feel like hmm. Hollywood really missed a uh, a golden opportunity with Patrick Swayze, but. I don't know. Maybe he was too busy doing some art films. Man, or... that's a good question. Um, I, I'm kind of I'm pulling up his stuff right now. I mean, he okay. So Roadhouse was the other like kind of big action movie he did. Right, and that was before it was, this. Right, it was Wasn't a couple years 80s? before this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he was in Red Dawn in the early '80s. Yeah. Um, but his filmography is kind of all over the place. I mean, uh, Ghost, I think, was and you know, Dirty Dancing. Yeah, Ghost was huge. Ghost was Ghost like was huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was just a year before that. That was nineteen ninety. Right. So he did Dirty Dancing eighty seven, Ghost in ninety, and then, or excuse me, Dirty Dancing eighty seven, Roadhouse eighty nine, Ghost in ninety, and then Point Break ninety one. This that's got to be peak Swayze, right? Like those Absolutely. four movies. Like that's he never got higher than that moment right there. Right. I'm not seeing really a quote-unquote action movie after Point Break for a long time. We're yeah. talking, gosh, no, Fatherhood, no, Tall Tale. <laughs> Maybe a little bit Tall Tale to Wong Fu. No, that's like the cross-dressing movie he did with Lake Wazamo. Yeah, no, and things kind of fall off after that. He was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in 1991. Yeah, so, there you go. Uh, so there you go. Other people agree with you. I, f- I feel like they just didn't really – harness what he could do on screen is his charismatic presence. Maybe, I mean, to Wong Fu, I imagine he, they really harness his charisma, his just acting chops. But after that, like they really kind of don't harness him. I would say until Donnie, Donnie Darko in 2001, even then yeah. he's playing like this That's heavily, pretty- heavily conflicted character who you're like, yeah. And it's kind of a small for, role like, too. Yeah. yeah. It's a smaller role. And after that, I mean, it's just, not a lot, whole lot happens, and then unfortunately he passes away way too soon. Yeah, uh, I think it's pancreatic cancer he dies from at fifty seven back in two thousand nine. Yeah. yeah, there's an alternate universe where he goes on to. Can't you see him just playing a whole bunch of like action movie villains? Actually, like, yeah, I think he would be great. I mean, he's the villain in this movie, sort of. I mean, yeah. Um, that's I think that's what we're talking about is he does a great job of balancing the fact that he's a villain, but you're also kind of supposed to identify or like this character at a certain point. And I mean, Johnny Utah does, right? That's why he won't shoot him in the scene we're right. going to talk about today. Yep. But he's he's got something there that I think if the 
filmmaking world had latched onto. I think he could have done some really interesting work if they had gone down that road. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would, I would have loved to see him play more villainous roles. It's always fun when it's always more fun for me from the big actors turn villain for a movie or for Mm -hmm. a franchise. It's kind of neat. Like when Josh Brolin is playing Thanos in the Avengers movies, it's like, okay, here's this charismatic actor pulling off this villain role. And it's not just some nobody actor. It's just, Hey, it's the big real name actor who has the chops, who has the physicality. Wouldn't you always want to play the villain? Like, it seems like that would always be the most fun. Yeah, I think you know? so. I, I think I think that's where you can add like that extra dimension to your character because good characters are always meant to be good and not have a ton of dimension. But if you can add a little bit of attitude, I think Alan Rickman right away of like playing Oscar yeah. and Die Hard yeah. and the Prince was it Prince John or is he the sheriff? I can't remember if he's the sheriff or Prince John. I think it's Prince John and um, uh, Prince Robin Thieves. Hood. Yeah. yeah, the Robin yeah, Hood yeah. movie with Kevin Costner. Like yep. he just brings that character so to life. That's it. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. Uh, like whatever character he inhabits, but those villainous characters are just extra good because Alan Rickman brings extra dimension of 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 hamminess, of jokiness, of just like having his own agenda or just having his own motivations in mind. But yeah, Patrick Swayze could totally be pulling it off. And who knows, maybe he was suffering like some disease related symptoms way earlier than we give that credit for, because if it's pancreatic cancer, that could be something with an onset years in advance, I guess. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's just, his career just totally just after point break, just doesn't do the thing you're probably expecting it to do, which is, take off. I guess he is, if we're looking at the timeline, he is around 40. He's just about 40 when Point Break comes out. Hmm. That's really so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have a ton of acting. I think before that we have The Ghost, we have Next of Kin, Roadhouse, Red Dawn, Dirty Dancing, uh, The Outsiders, Uncommon Valor, and that's kind of it. It looks like yeah. he didn't start till a little bit later till he was, what, 28, almost 30 years old? Yeah, and it's just, looking at his IMDb, it is crazy. Like, he just kind of stopped doing stuff. I mean, yeah. he's in a lot of little bit parts. Like he's credited in a few like TV roles, a music video at one point. Like, yeah, I, it almost feels like it was a conscious choice that he stopped working. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it feels like with that run, you know, the, the dirty dancing roadhouse point break ghost run that he would have a blank check to kind of do whatever he wanted to do next. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Yeah. An underrated guy, I think. Like, I think a lot of people think of Patrick Swayze and they just think of Dirty Dancing. And, you know, Dirty Dancing is is great. It's a classic. But, you know, it's a it's kind of some 80s cheese, you know. Right. They're playing like 80s pop songs and like a 50s era yeah. uh, and he, dance performance, which always just like scratch my head as I know. a modern <laughs> viewer. But at the time, like people just love Dirty Dancing. People like love it has, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. It, it is a beloved, beloved movie. And I understand I've seen it with Sarah a couple of times and I watched it a few times before then. Um, but yeah, he, he's just, he's, he's an icon. His star will forever burn as, um, I can't remember his name from Dirty Dancing that escapes Ooh, me. I can't either. Oh, hmm. But the guy from Roadhouse and the guy from Ghost, who again, 
I don't remember his name, but he's the ghost and ghost. <laughs> he's the ghost and ghost. <laughs> top the, top grossing movie of the titular ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Bodhi Zaffa, I, I think. I, I think uh, if if anything, like it's it's you know at least he made his mark in Hollywood. This turn of the decade, eighties to nineties, uh, roles that he was taking on. Yeah, for sure. So uh, while we're on the topic of um, great actors in this movie, yeah, you want to have a little Keanu talk? Let's talk Keanu. Oh my gosh! Like uh, same age new- actually as Patrick Swayze. I'm looking it up right now. So he's no, actually no. He was sorry. He was he's not the same age. He's 57, which is the same age Patrick Swayze died at 2009. So he was yeah. what 20. He was not even 30 when he makes Point Break. He's 27 when he makes Point Break. 26, 27. Um, and you definitely see the rough edges. I would say in this movie, except you're explaining also like there's a little bit of character evolution by the end where sure he's he's learned some things from Bodie. Um, <laughs> you can tell that Keanu is. I mean, this is the first movie. This is the first real action movie he does, right? Is this? Yeah. I mean, before this, so, you know, he had the Bill and Ted movies. Right. Um, he did some dramatic acting, like with The River's Edge, uh, Parenthood, um, among other things. And this was his first time in, as a starring role in an action movie, which he would later on to become known for, of course. Right. Um, but this was it. This was like, this was his turn and you can see he's a little rough around the edges. I think at times he's a, there are some moments. I think he's a little stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, at part of that, I think is just his acting style. Like his affect, you know, is kind of, that's why it makes him good at the surfing side of this movie. <laughs> and it has that like, Oh, what? you know, oh, those, those are the best scenes where he's like, bro, you got like a spider on you. <laughs> no, right? Oh, I yeah. love that scene. I was like, Oh man, that's like Keanu playing Keanu. Yeah. But this is, yeah, this is the turn because he does point break in 91. Then he does bill and Ted's bogus journey the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, more dramatic acting with my own private Idaho later on the same year. He's in Bram Stoker's Dracula the next year in 92. And Much Ado About Nothing in 93, which I remember watching that in class. I'm like, man, Keanu rocks. I remember watching that as yeah. like a ninth grader, I think. And and then his action career really takes off with Speed in 94. Mm-hmm. And that's when he gets another chance to be a leading role in, an act, in a big budget action movie. You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? Speed, get ready for rush hour. And, you know, Speed was a massive success. Mm-hmm. And he just goes on from there. You know, his 90s is a little mixed. He does like Johnny Mnemonic chain reactions, kind of these mid-tier action movies. And then, uh, you know, of course, uh, The Matrix in 99. And then that just catapults him to, you know, A-list action celebrity from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so this, I you know, I, I like this movie for that reason, too. You get to kind of see the the birth of Keanu as an action star. Mm -hmm. And um, you can see why it took off. Like he's, he's great. He's great in this movie. And of course the John Wick movies, John Wick. Of course. Yeah. That fucking nobody is John Wick. And uh, just to mention on top of that, like everything I've ever read about Keanu and his interaction with people and fans uh, just seems like he's awesome. It seems like oh, he's yeah. a super cool guy, like humble, 
um, appreciates his fans. And um, yeah, he's, he's on my list of like, if I could meet some celebrities, like I would definitely hang out and have a beer with Keanu. Like he would be awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's just, yeah. Every time he shows up, I just want to see him doing more. Um, He's and luckily he's doing that. He's still making Bill and Ted movies, matrix movies, John wick movies. Yeah, man, he's doing it like dedicated. I mean, I how, how old is he now? He's, he's 57 now. Jesus, he's 57 and he's doing the John Wick movies? Yeah, he's still doing John Wick movies. I mean, they're, they'll have a part crazy. four coming out. Who knows when? I guess 2023 is what Wiki says. That's amazing. Like, And he does a lot of his own work in those movies, a lot of his own fight scenes and action stunts. Oh, yeah. There's, there's YouTube videos of him going through like the John Wick training where he's just going through a shooting course. There's one specific one with Halle Berry where he's just going through just mowing down the targets, just like everything looking so tactical and so yeah. precise and just with the reloading and the aiming and you know, all the hand placements. And you check the YouTube comments for all the keyboard crack shots out there. <laughs> right. They're all they're all given the credit, too, of, of just how well he's coming into the role and how well he's uh, not the role, but how well he's performing these actions. So. Yes, all the gunplay is his. And can yeah. we watch John Wick together? I think we have to watch the next John Wick together. Yeah, I think so. I think we watched um, – did we watch part two or three? I think we watched part three. I think we watched part three together. The, the yeah. Parabellum. Yes. Or with, just Parabellum, I think it's called. With the horse fighting scene. And, yes, and with the yes. horse kicking the guy in the yes. head. Yes. That's great. Oh, my gosh. Just the, Yeah, those John Wick movies, those are just a whole whatever well, on, a lot of fun. on their own. Well, you can tell he takes yeah. it seriously. Like, yeah, he really, you know, he's not just cashing a check. Like, he he takes these seriously. He wants to do the best he possibly can, and uh, it's what makes the John Wick movies good. Like, you know, if he was just phoning it in, then it would just be a direct to video like piece of shit. But it's not. Like, it's. I mean, it's a great. It's got good director, great script, and and big budget, so that helps, of course. But like, it wouldn't work if Keanu wasn't given one hundred and twenty percent. Yeah, yeah, and this and this is what's starting all that. This is, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. launching him in that action, uh, that action phase, and that's what's keeping him popular. I would say these days is that action phase of Matrix and John Wick. Well, uh, um, yeah. so speaking of, uh, if we're on the topic of movie MVPs, so we covered Keanu, Patrick, and Gary. Right. Um, <laughs> the, the the big three, my Mount Rushmore. I mean, really, right? Uh, <laughs> Mount Rushmore, Point Break actress. Um, I I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention the director of this movie, Catherine Bigelow. Sure. Um, she is a fantastic director who has had a very very interesting career and point break was one of the turning points for her. She made, so I, I'll just kind of looking at her filmography here. She, one of the first kind of uh, major studio films she did was uh, a vampire movie. That's kind of a, almost like a noir um, horror film uh, called near dark. Near, near dark. Yeah. Have you ever seen near dark? No, I'm just looking at the thing. and like, that's something that looks like right up your alley. Yeah. It's great. Bill Paxton's in it, who I love. Um, Lance Henriksen. Yeah. It's kind of a cult classic. Like people who like horror, like ultimately always like near dark. Um, And then she made uh, an an action kind of crime thriller called blue steel starring Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, which I've never seen, but I've heard is good, but also kind of bonkers. Um, And then she does point break. 
And that's a big one, obviously, because it was such a success. But then she goes on to have kind of a strange uh, filmography throughout the rest of the 90s and into the 2000s. I wouldn't say she made clunkers, but um, not critically acclaimed movies, not blockbuster movies. Mm-hmm. Things like Strange Days, Undertow, The Weight of Water, and then K-9- K-19, The Widowmaker in 2002. I- I've not seen any of those. Um, mm-hmm. Have Have you seen any of those? I haven't. Well, no, I've seen... Uh, I want to say I've seen Strange Days, and that was just a bonkers kind of movie that, like, was that that seemed like we should be afraid of the future kind of movie, and right the turn of this the turn of the millennium is coming up, so watch out for it. But I don't think I saw Weight of Water or K nineteen, but I I know of K nineteen with Harrison Ford. Right? Yeah, I've heard Strange Days talked about as being like this kind of underrated gem from the nineties, but I, I've never seen it, but then she like, and then she doesn't do anything for a while. So K-19 right. is 2002 and she pops back up and almost reimagines herself and almost as like an auteur and makes the hurt locker in 2008 mm-hmm. of which she, she won best director and that movie won best picture that year. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, four years later, she directs zero dark 30 which was also critically claimed and nominated for best picture didn't win, but yeah, quite the turn there later on in her career. I don't know. I, I think she's a, a pretty great action director for sure. And I, I do appreciate that she just did movies that she clearly thought were interesting rather than just making money, you know? Yeah. And she, she's someone else who started a little bit late. I would say when she makes near dark, she is almost 40 there. So maybe that's around mm. that, you know, director, maybe director entering the, the Hollywood business age, not really sure, but her projects, like you're saying, are so spaced out. They're so yeah. um, timed out that now she's 70. So is it likely she's going to make more movies? I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah. She made Detroit after zero dark 30 um, about the race riots and the sixties. Mm. Um, but then after that, I don't, know what other projects he's uh, looking to do. Um, you got to wonder if- IMDB. It says Aurora announced, but there's nothing related to that. Um, that's the last thing since 2017's Detroit. Interesting. Yeah. You got to imagine at her age, she might be um, kind of considering retirement, especially yeah. considering how long she kind of waits in between projects that she does. So no, but I remember Zero Dark Thirty. Just what, like, just what a, an atmospheric movie that was. Just uh, you're following uh, Jeremy Piven. What's his name? Jeremy. Oh, um, oh man, he plays Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner. Oh, uh, yep, yep. So, yep. so Jeremy Renner. Yeah, you just really examine his character throughout the whole movie. Um, his evolution, or just lack of being able to evolve in the movie, is really shown very well. Uh, I just remember just feeling so tense whenever uh, Jeremy Renner's character is outside of the U.S. base and he's yeah. moving around. Excuse me, he's moving around the environments and like you, you can tell he's just out of sorts and he feels out of place. I remember just that claustrophobia, really, just that fear pulsating throughout the whole movie. Um, Zero Dark Thirty is a little bit different uh, in that it's just this operation to go kill Osama bin Laden. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is like found footage variety kind of filming, which was interesting. But it's it's just, yeah, it's interesting to see such a huge gap between 
point break in what we're talking about today with the action, with the chasing, with the, we'll talk more about it, the style of filming versus something like Hurt Locker or Zero Dark Thirty. Well, to bring it back to Point Break, you can definitely see like the beginnings of her like understanding how to use the camera, use blocking, shot composition, editing to like really put the viewer in the middle of what's going on. You know, like mm-hmm. the the sequence we're going to talk about today is is one of my favorite chase scenes of any movie, and uh, one of the things I love about it is just how expertly crafted it is. And I'll talk about it more when we get there, but you never lose the sense of um, urgency. You never lose a sense of geography. And uh, it's, it's really expertly put together and crafted. And, and okay. I, yeah, I, th- I think she, you know, she's, she's up there and one of the great action directors of our generation for sure. Yeah. If we're uh, on the uh, discussion of movie MVPs, I have to just take a moment because this person is not in the scene we're going to talk about, but is we got to talk John about John C. McGinley. Yes, <laughs> Doctor Cox. Doctor Cox, the guy Marshall. from Scrubs. He plays the most stereotypical um, police chief, or in this case, FBI chief, or whatever. It doesn't um, matter. It doesn't matter. Where every time they go into the <laughs> the office, he just breaks their balls so yep. hard, and he's yep. so good at doing that, and uh, I just look forward to every time they get to go back to the office and see him. Does either one of you have anything even remotely interesting to tell me? Caught my first tube this morning, sir. Oh, yes. Unleash oh, my gosh. Him. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> such a pleasure to see him before the meat the meatballs. Sorry, I'm reading my notes. <laughs> it's, it's such a pleasure to see him before the... Um, the Scrubs days as yes. this hard ass character giving us the young, dumb and full of cum line, which oh I've heard many times, especially on the, we hate movies podcast. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're a real blue flame special, aren't you son? Young, dumb and full of cum. I know. I guess we just must have ourselves an asshole shortage, huh? Not so far. Throw that one out. Um, but it was such a pleasure to see him pop up in movies yeah, especially like you're saying, like the the hard ass kind of FBI captain slash police captain. It doesn't matter, and 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 at the time, I'm sure it's like such a cool moment when Gary Busey punches him in the face. But I know. <laughs> being a 40 year old man watching it now, I'm thinking like, well, he's making some good points, like chewing you guys out. Like maybe <laughs> maybe hear him out. He might have some good things to say, but you know it's coming. It's yeah. the 90s. He's going to be punched. I love it. I love it in that, like, you look at it now and, like, this stereotype has been riffed on so hard. Like, I, I think of, like, the 21 Jump Street movies, mm-hmm. how Ice Cube was the um, police chief, and every time they went in there, he just ripped into him. I know what you're thinking. Angry, black captain. It ain't nothing but a stupid stereotype. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? I'm black. And I work my ass off to be the captain. And sometimes I get angry. So suck a dick. What I'm trying to show you is embrace your stereotypes. Uh, to a you know comical degree. And, right. uh, and this is, the, he's doing exactly that, but they're playing it for serious. Like, it's so funny. This is not some job flipping burgers at the local drive-in. Yes, the surfboard bothers me. Yes, your approach to this whole goddamn case bothers me. And yes, 
You bother me! <laughs> <laughs> but you know nothing's ever going to happen. It's just like, I'm, I'm just going to make threats. I'm just yep. going to say the worst things ever and make you feel bad. But you still have your job. Like, I just... I love that about these kind of movies where they they could just messing up the whole way through the movie. And yet, I know, I know. There's no consequences. Or, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no consequences. Yeah, he just fires his gun indiscriminately, which we'll talk about in the scene the when we break it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, well, uh, I think it might be time to start talking about our scene. Yeah, what scene did you choose, Jeff? All right, so I chose... What I I think is sort of the tentpole scene of this movie. It's the action sequence right at the center, right at the heart of this film. It's the scene that I get most excited about when I'm watching this movie. And it's the chase scene that occurs when uh, Johnny Utah and uh, his partner, Gary Busey. What's his name, Pappas? Angelo Pappas. Angelo Pappas. They're hanging out and um, doing a little stakeout in front of the bank, hoping to catch the... um, uh, ex-presidents and they do and then well, we proceed to have a uh, car chase that ends up turning into a foot race foot chase mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, the scene will end with a very famous moment of uh, Johnny Utah firing his gun to the sky so yeah, um, yeah this goes from uh, our let's see is one hour three minutes and five seconds mm-hmm. all the way to about one hour ten minutes and 28 seconds Mm-hmm. Uh huh. What is at stake in this scene? Would you say, John? <laughs> I mean, the fate of everybody else in this movie really is at stake in this scene mm-hmm. because the choice Johnny makes—I'm not going to say if it's a good or a bad choice right now—but mm-hmm. the choice he makes by the end of this scene affects so many lives and deaths True. by the end of this movie. That, True. like you're saying, as a tentpole scene it is probably the most important scene of the movie, the most uh, stake holding scene that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. It has the, the most impact on our characters as we go forward. Yeah. Sure. Basically by the end of the scene, he either kills the bad guy or lets him live. Right. Mm. 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 All right. (laughs) Should we get into part one of this amazing scene? Let's do it. All right, so part one is going to run from one hour, three minutes, and five seconds all the way to one hour, seven minutes, and two seconds. Having just left his partner in the car to pick up some sandwiches, Johnny Utah is busy placing his order at the sandwich window and notices a car pulling up to the bank, and he and his partner should be monitoring for would-be robbers dressed up as ex-U.S. presidents. As Utah finishes placing his order, a group of robbers dressed as ex-U.S. presidents exits the newly parked vehicle and enters the bank. Johnny glances back at the robbery car, but it's now empty. He grabs his very quickly made order and delivers the sandwiches back to his partner, Angelo Pappas, in their unmarked police car. Angelo puts down his funny papers as Johnny gives him his food. Johnny asks him if he he saw the Lincoln pull up, and they look over to the robbery car, the dressed-up robbers exit the bank and enter the car. Johnny yells, freeze! And one of the robbers lifts his gun towards Johnny, only to have Ronald Reagan robber knock the other gun, the other's uh, gun away. Johnny fires at the fleeing bandits, and Angelo picks him up in the car so they can pursue at high speeds. The car chase continues on the highway and then through a small, small parking lot uh, in which Bodie uh, slash Reagan is driving the robbery car. Angelo runs into a guardhouse while the robbery car hits a spike strip. 
Uh, Bodhi slash Reagan now pulls into a gas station and burns the Lincoln with a gas hose as the rest of the robbers carjack someone else for a new ride. As the other robbers yell at Bodhi slash Reagan to hurry up, Johnny launches over the car and into Bodhi with a full-on tackle. The yellow car speeds away without Bodhi slash Reagan as Angelo fires into its rear window. Whoa. Oh, man. You know how much... Sandwiches to high-speed chase in the matter of seconds. Oh, man. You know how much I love a car chase. Yeah, I I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back at past episodes, it's like bike chase, Terminator 2. What do we have? First blood. (laughs) Yeah, first blood, the bike chase and first blood. Uh, No, no, no. I guess that's it, really. Just... Just those, just this is the the trifecta. This is the third in the, the trilogy or quadrilogy. We don't know. I think I like a car chase so much, just because it <laughs> it's not easy to pull off. No, you know, like you have to do it right. Um, there's a real art to doing one well, and as I kind of mentioned earlier, like the camera work, the blocking, the editing, the shot composition. It needs to create the illusion of like urgency and speed and chaos. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you've got to keep the viewer aware of what's happening. You got to keep them aware of the geography because if we get confused, the whole scene fails, right? We need to know what's going on all the time. And I've seen a lot of bad action sequences. I've seen a lot of bad car chases, you know, where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of shaky cam or it's hard to figure out what's going on. So I think I get really excited when I see one that's done well. And this is one of the best. It's one of the best. It is a really solid one. I think what really sells me is toward the end of the car chase, the fact that the robbers can't locate the pursuing car. And then uh, we as the audience are expecting that collision to come because of the way it's filmed uh, Mm -hmm. across this mall parking lot where you see the cars coming closer together, then further apart, then closer together, then further apart. But the robbers don't know, we're told, in the cuts. Uh, and the, I would say the cops, I guess the, the feds. Yeah. Um, Papas and Utah, knowing that they're coming closer and closer, um, all coming to a head where the robbers are totally lost about where the cops are. And all of a sudden, the cops just come out of nowhere to smash into their car. Right. Um, yeah, just keeping that con- that kind of continuity over so many frenetic kinetic shots where the cars are moving and you're seeing over the hoods of cars and through car windows. It, it's it's hard. Um, yeah. So like you're saying, there uh, Bigelow is able to really uh, pay that off um, by having those cars collide right when. Uh, you think they should, right? When as an action fan, you're right. expecting them to, then right. they do. So I got to go back to the beginning of this little <laughs> sequence here. Please. Um, I love the shot composition as Johnny is ordering the food. Um, and it's we almost see almost comical. It's, it's almost comical. Almost comical, right? And <laughs> the one group they're looking for <laughs> piles out of the car with guns and enters the bank. Mass. Maybe 50 behind them. Right behind them. And I love how the camera kind of slowly moves to the right. And mm-hmm. we see the car pull up and it all happens right behind him. And, uh, and by the time he turns around, they're gone. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just great. So right there, they're building the tension a little bit. It's like, oh shit, it's happening. He missed it. Is he going to see him? What's going to happen next? 
Um, and then he doesn't find out until they head on back. He heads on back over and gives Gary Busey <laughs> his two meatball, two meatball sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And he then complains that he should have had three. And that makes my stomach hurt just thinking about it. Like, my God, like a meatball sandwich is a, that's a hefty lunch. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. He's going to find himself in the, in the porta potty later on down at the beach. <laughs> Give me two. Oh, I, I love that detail of them. Yeah. Like you're saying, the camera panning over, it reminds me of like McTiernan style from yeah. Predator and Die Hard, just being able to move the camera around to help tell the story without it making it really obvious. But we know what to look for. Right. I mean, technically Utah should know what to look for. Um, but yeah, in the span of those, not even 15 seconds of him ordering and paying, uh, does the car pull up and everybody jumps out. Um, yeah. I, I did have a quick question though, because I know you and I don't rob a lot of banks. Jeff. <laughs> not yet. No, not, not yet. We're, we're teachers. So we're good. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we don't need to rob banks. <laughs> Just money um, flowing in. <laughs> But but usually when I'm watching a heist movie, there's someone in the car waiting as the getaway driver. This movie yeah. doesn't do that. This movie has the getaway driver partake in the withdrawals. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I also noticed that upon this rewatch because that goes against every bank robbing heist trope that has ever existed, right? Right. There's always a driver. There's got to be a driver. Yeah, there's got to be someone ready to go. Um, I, You know, I wonder, just thinking in the context of the movie, just putting myself, like, just forgetting for a moment that it is a movie. Let's just pretend this is real life. Maybe it's just the fact that there's only four of them. And they don't want to bring in another person. Like, this is their four-person crew. And maybe they feel more comfortable having more people inside for crowd control rather than leave someone behind just sitting at the wheel. But you're right. It's an interesting omission uh, to the classic uh, heist uh, structure, you know? Yeah. Even when they take Johnny into, <laughs> and probably the weirdest scene in the movie, I'll be honest, yeah, you're when they right. take Johnny as a bank robber into yeah. the bank with no mask, there's still no getaway driver. Like, I mean, he's there, but he has to kind of be babysat so they can't spare someone to be the driver. Well, you know, that's their whole thing is that they get in and out, right? Right. They they never attack the vault. And that's the uh the the big mistake they make in the end, of course. But um Yeah, that's that's the big yeah, that's the big change up that leads to all the pain and suffering. Yeah, they they just get in, they get everyone down on the ground, fire a couple bullets into the sky, and uh just grab all the money out of the tills and they're in and out in less than sixty seconds or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't feel like having because the driver is also the lookout, right? Right, right. So maybe they don't feel like that is necessary. If they do the job correctly, they'll get in and out in sixty seconds. There's no reason to have a lookout. Um, right. Maybe it's uh, less suspicious to ha- not have a getaway driver because when Johnny looks back, right, he's not seeing anybody in the car. So that seems like a lot less suspicious than if someone was in the car. 
This is true. And what kind of car are they driving, John? It's a Lincoln. This, is, <laughs> this isn't even in the IMD trivia. I don't know how this didn't make it in the trivia, but they're the ex-presidents. Of course, the car they're driving is going to be a Lincoln. <laughs> I love that detail. Oh my it's a, of course, it's a Lincoln. <laughs> this is this is on the level of Naked Gun or pulling out the whole regicide means the killing of a king or queen. And who's performing that? Reggie Jackson <laughs> and another L.A. movie. I, I think mm-hmm. we need to talk about this being a little bit of an L.A. movie. Oh, we will. When we get to the foot chase, like this is okay. full Good. on L.A. Yeah, like. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save it. I have a, yeah, I have some observations that, that came up. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, they they do their thing. They get in and out quickly. And uh, so then our, our boys, uh, Johnny Utah and, and Pappas, see them and uh after firing indiscriminately just at the fleeing car which i don't know if you're supposed to do as an fbi agent um, (laughs) after he does that then our chase is on and uh it's just we just get a really great car chase here like we get some uh just some awesome like drifting turns around corners Mm -hmm. right we get some great side swipes um some change of geography. So they're on a main uh, thoroughfare and then cut into like a parking lot. And, um, and eventually one of our cars uh, or Johnny and, and Papa's car smashes in. Is that like a parking attendant shack that they smash into? It, it must be the kind where it's right next to the, the spike strip. Yeah. So I had a question for you right after this happens, Johnny, you took it, gets out and starts running. Does he think he can catch up to a car? (laughs) (laughs) Does he think he's in Terminator 2 and he's the liquid metal Terminator? I I always found that funny, even when I was younger, that he just gets out and starts running after a car. I mean, maybe he knows that they've hit that spike strip or whatever and and the car is uh, not going to get very far. But I don't know. You know, maybe not. Uh, He just starts running. He's going to go get him on foot. (laughs) <laughs> I think he knows about the LA traffic, just how uh, precarious that can be for travelers in general. Even when you have all four functional tires, right? That when you're when you're down a tire, that even yeah, that makes it even worse. Hmm. But yeah, he, he does go on foot. I've seen this in countless action movies, even modern movies. Will pull this off better or for worse, where the the the, the protagonist chasing the vehicle will hop out of the vehicle and just. Start booking it. Um, right. <laughs> we saw it with Commando t- as well, but mm. that was a little bit different in that he was using the geography, I guess, too. That sounds silly saying that out loud. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Arnold's using the, geog- the power of geography. I will catch them. There's no girly man. I catch them. Uh, I go in the straight line. They have to go curvy like uh, a girl. They don't know geometry. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> as the Arnold flies <laughs> but yeah yeah just you always have to love it when the hero hops out of a car because you know it's just cliche as cliche written you know that it means that the hero is going to reach them on foot when they're in a car it's, of course yeah of course yeah yeah it's and- kind of like in a movie when one guy has to take on a group of guys you want to be the one guy. You don't want to be the group of guys. This is true. And because the group of guys is only going to attack you one at a time. <laughs> right. And they're, <laughs> they're just going to be just 
yeah, having their ass hand to them time gonna, after time. Yeah, they're gonna hit once and then thrown onto the floor <laughs> and then apparently knocked out forever. <laughs> Just basically posterized. Well, Johnny Utah was uh, apparently on to something because he does catch up to them. Their their car uh, has some busted tires and they screech into a gas station for what is, I think, one of the most cinematic moments of this movie. Yeah, you can you can definitely tell they're going for the cinematic. Oh, it's so good, man! I don't know how else to describe it. It's just so good when when he pulls out that gas pump and lights it on fire and starts shooting the flames all over the, yeah. the runaway car. Like it is just so, I don't know. It's I'm on the edge of my seat. When I watch that, my, I get goosebumps on my arms, something about the way the flames look like, you know how gasoline when it burns has a very particular look to it. Oh, they, sure. They got that right. Like it's, it's got that billowing, thick flame with like the real hot smoke coming off of it. Mm -hmm. And he's just, you know, when they show him with that mask on the Ronald Reagan mask on, and he's just sweeping the gas pump back and forth, enveloping that car with flames. That's one of the coolest shots in this whole movie. I think I love Yeah, it's it's surreal. If you're right to the middle part of this movie or that's happening, that's exactly it. Like what if you were someone at that gas station and you walked out of the little mini mart and you saw a guy in a Ronald Reagan mask just like methodically and calmly sweeping this makeshift flame flower back and forth over this car. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, it's so great. It's so great. This is definitely cinematic. And I think Bodie Reagan is totally caught up in the cinematic moment. Mm. That's kind of like his, his downfall is like the pride of this or the beauty of this moment. And, having such pride in creating it, that it causes him not to hop in the car with his gang. Like, I think he totally has time is his gang seems to think that they, that he has time. Yeah. But he's just so caught up maybe in the beauty and the, uh, and the Nirvana of it all, because, you know, he is the Bodhisattva of course. Yeah. And he may, you know, feel this urgency to make sure that their getaway car is like fully burned so that no, no evidence is left behind. You know, he's yeah. got he's got to really get this thing flaming, make sure that all DNA inside is gone and uh just really make sure that thing's going to burn to the ground. Oh man, he just yeah, just totally lights it up and there goes the Lincoln and his whole gang is saying, "Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go." Damn it, go Don't go. go. And they they take off without him. They're like, "Yeah, they leave him behind. They're we like, gotta go." See you, Patrick Swayze, like, yeah, it just we, we got to go. There's there's nothing from him, though, to the crew. It's just an interesting back and forth where he's in the moment. He doesn't seem totally concerned with getting back to the car, uh, really, until Keanu's flying over the hoods and over the flames and catching him. So that's the that's the catalyst for them running. Like in that moment, you have to imagine that those uh, those other three bank robber guys are, are like, Oh, he's caught. Okay. We got to get out of here. Like there's no saving him now. And so they just burn rubber and get on out of there. Well, that and Angela Pappas, Pappas oh, shooting Busey, the back just, of the car. <laughs> yeah. Starts shooting the back of the car. So right, they have, right, it's you're like, right. you're, you're making them basically involuntarily move. And that's when the foot chase begins where Bodie Reagan just totally gives up 
any kind of hope for the car and just sprints out of the scene, sprints out of the gas station. Yes. Oh, man. All right. Well, with that, should we talk about the foot race? Let's do it. I didn't make a note that this is uh, 91. Yeah. $7.84 for all that food, two meatball <laughs> subs, <laughs> one crazy. tuna on wheat, and two lemonades. Only that's, $7.84 in a that's day great. that's... I didn't even think about that. Uh, <laughs> one of those sandwiches would be like ten ninety nine nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Today's the inflation. If you just take seven eighty four to make it to today, uh, the website, whatever it is, uh, inflationtoday.com, I don't know what it is actually called, is uh, sixteen fifty five. Which, yeah, I think mm. is a little bit under. Still seems price. under. Yeah, yeah. It makes me want to have a meatball sub for sure. It definitely does. But yeah, three sandwiches. You know, I think food truck, you know, culture. I don't know if that was a food truck, but it was like a sandwich shop. I think has uh, changed over time too. Like a lot of food trucks now sort of uh, consider themselves to be gourmet. Yeah, gourmet. You know, not just uh, fast food. Like they're actually yeah. putting out, which is true in some cases. And so they can get away with, you know, charging. Uh, Ten, eleven dollars for an entree at a food truck. You know, yeah. I could easily see three sandwiches and two lemonades costing twenty six dollars. Oh yeah, you oh know? yeah. I throw yeah. all this together today. Yeah, you're looking at maybe 20 more to thirty. Yeah, maybe more. Do you have a favorite food truck, Jeff? Ooh man, um, you know, I wish where we lived had a a, a slightly better food truck culture. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we have quite a few food trucks around here, the Seattle area, right. but not enough. And I live in the suburbs, so that's part of the issue. Um, right. But I, I, there's not enough food trucks to me have a real strong opinion. I will say there is one food truck that has bounced around Seattle that makes tacos. Hmm. Um, and the, it's called marination and they're Korean style tacos and they are absolutely fantastic. And uh, I know of them because my wife works downtown. And so occasionally in the summertime, I'll go down there and meet her for lunch. And um, I will always try to go to the marination food truck and uh, just Mm. great tacos, good people, um, delicious food. So if you're ever in Seattle, check out marination. The marination. Yeah. Yeah. Korean style tacos. So good. Cool, cool. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a favorite food truck? Yeah, you mentioned the suburbs not having a big selection. I mean, I'm kind of out in the country a little bit here in Carnation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we do have a food truck that parks at the Christmas tree farm uh, almost <laughs> on a daily basis. Called It's called Bigfoot Burgers. I don't know okay. If them. No, They're no. They're just some, some tasty, tasty burgers. I don't mm. remember the fries so much, but I remember just like how much burger they give for the order, but it's like you're saying, it's like they're charging prices more expensive than fast food. You're not popping sure. in for like a $2 Big Mac or anything like that. You're looking at probably $10 for the burger, then a couple bucks for the fries, but they are quite tasty. And you can order, you can call ahead, which is super handy. I've done that mm. once before where I call them up and just ride my bike or drive over to pick them up. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely lucky, like in our little location to have at least one food truck. Yeah. 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 Do you, uh, after you get your order, do you do your best Samuel Jackson impression and be like, that is a tasty burger. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try to educate them on like, this is, you know, what's called the Royale with cheese. Yeah. In- <laughs> 
what is it, England or Canada? Yeah, it's the uh, in Pulp Fiction, it's the Big Kahuna Burger that he yeah. eats right, yeah, right before he murders everybody. <laughs> oh, that burger looks so good, man. Mm. Movie food can sometimes like in Angelo, Gary Busey is totally taking bites of that meatball sub. Like he's housing that meatball sub. I'm so hungry, I could eat the ass in out of a dead rhino. I should have had you give me three of these things. You, you didn't. You didn't even have to do that for the purpose <laughs> of this scene. But he's like, oh god, what what is the quote? I could eat an ass end of a dead rhino. I could eat the ass end of a dead rhino. I'm so hungry, I could eat the ass in out of a dead rhino. <laughs> I should have ordered three. I should have had you give me three of these things. <laughs> should have ordered three meatball <laughs> subs. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one sub they're not skipping skimping on the meat is the meatball sub because you no. can't. No, it's the whole premise of the sandwich. Oh, love yeah. me a good meatball sub. I do like, too. Like Subway has like the best, in my opinion, just because it's like they've kept that same flavor for 30 years. Yeah, the, probably the same meatballs in that bin. <laughs> it might be those 90s balls. It might be. Nice balls, Subway. Nice balls. Okay, I, I, I have to take a really quick... Pee break. Oh, a point break? A, a, a pee break? A point pee break? A pee break during point break? That's fine. I could refill my wine glass. Let's do it. All right. Be back in like two minutes. I'll be back. I'll be back. Nice. You can be like Arnold, tell him I'll be back. Part two of the scene is going to go from one hour, seven minutes, and three seconds to the end of our scene at one hour, ten minutes, and 28 seconds. So we leave the gas station, and the uh, Bodie slash Reagan is uh, Carlos running away from the gas station with Johnny in hot pursuit. Um, Bodie does not stop, drop, and roll. Instead, <laughs> padding, <laughs> padding out the, uh, the flames all over his body. We uh, transition into a foot race across suburban Los Angeles. We are going through alleyways. We are jumping over fences. We are uh, pushing through gates. At one point, we are even going into people's houses. And uh, Johnny, in a tight, hot pursuit, follows uh, Bodhi through all of this, uh, these different scenarios in this environment. Um, and finally, after uh, Swayze, excuse me, uh, has um, gone through two people's houses in which uh, Johnny Utah followed him, uh, in one case, crashing through a window and then getting uh, assaulted by a dog, they end up leaving the neighborhood, uh, coming up to the L.A. River. Uh, Bodhi jumps into the L.A. River and uh, Johnny in hot pursuit jumps down the concrete embankment and upon landing on the concrete ground re-injures what we can only assume is his football knee injury. Writhing on the ground, grabbing his knee, uh, Bodhi is able to escape, runs across the L.A. River, climbs up the other side, at which point Johnny Utah and Bodhi Zaffa lock eyes and uh, stare at each other for a good long moment while Johnny aims his gun directly at Bodhi and in the end he chooses not to shoot Bodhi and instead fires his gun several times up into the air unloading all of his bullets into the sky which allows Bodhi to escape running off into the distance 
um, presumably to go rob another bank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, that's the best I could do. How was that? Oh, that was amazing. All right, all, all the, right. All the highlights, I would say, except for kicking the dog. Yeah, oh, yeah, he kicks the dog. I had to. You, I mentioned, just, you mentioned the dog being thrown at. Yeah. At him, at uh, Johnny, but yeah, right afterwards, he totally kicks the dog out of frame. He does kick the dog. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I think he was just angry. He was just mad in the moment. He probably regrets it. He's at home tonight thinking about how he kicked that dog. Yeah. He's upset. We're all all at home thinking how he kicked that dog. (laughs) I mean, the dog, it's not the dog's fault. The dog got thrown at a guy. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you do? do? This snarling beast is thrown at you. You got (laughs) to, you got to react quickly in order to, to pursue your prey. Hmm. Every time I watch this movie, I get excited when we get to this car chase. And a part of me always kind of forgets that halfway through it, we transition into this foot race. Yeah. Every time it gives me goosebumps. I love it because you think the car chase is over. It feels like the scene's going to end. And then it just picks up. It keeps going. And that score kicks in. And now we are running. And we're down to our two main characters chasing after Mm -hmm. one another in a really tight um confined space Mm -hmm. as they kind of navigate these alleyways and backyards and and kind of in and out of the i don't know what you say the underbelly of the la suburbia yeah it's it's uh yeah it really reminds me of (laughs) grand theft auto yes yes it does you just do so many of these little side missions where you're chasing people through the alleys and through the cul-de-sacs. And the oh my God, that's and the, so true. The bikes of like these little tiny neighborhoods. Uh, what is it? Orange Grove, I think was the name of it. Yes. I Now that you say that, like next time I watch this, I'm just going to be expecting him to come up on like a little <laughs> motorbike that has an arrow above it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think the main difference there is that in that GTA game, you're never going like in and out of interiors as quickly as this. Sure. Uh, staying really on the outside, but this totally what this reminds me of really making this uh, an LA movie, especially up to the point you've already read out, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, no, it's true. And I, what's fun about this transition too is like the car chase feels uh, feels big. Like you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the camera moves around from being inside the car to outside the car, but <laughs> it's 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 big. Like we're. We're on the, uh, a main thoroughfare, we're on a highway. There's other cars around. We're in open space. And then the transition to this foot race feels much more, uh, feels much tighter, feels smaller, feels a little scarier. They're way closer together than they were chasing each other in the cars. You know, It just adds that element of suspense that I think is so effective. I think it's relatable too because you and I probably haven't been in a lot of car chases. Sure. But there's certainly moments in our lives where we're chasing after somebody like as a game, like you chase your own kids or when you are a kid, you've been chasing your friends and you're pulling this kind of crap of like close the door, lock it or uh, jump over the fence or uh, throw a dog at the person chasing you. (laughs) You're throwing all sorts of obstacles. Push over the lady with the hose. (laughs) Yeah, Push over the lady with the hose or the lady with the laundry. Uh, jump into the LA river. You're pulling all these like little stunts that you can do <laughs> as a kid, or like I'm saying, chasing your own kids as uh, a grown parent now. Uh, and that's, that is what helps add to that intimacy to the kind of claustrophobia 
That's just that, a, the claustrophobia. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's represented yeah. here. It's really great. And uh, I, I love how every time they turn a corner while they're doing this, they're like in a slightly different environment. You know, it's um, we're running down a tight alleyway and we turn the corner. Oh, and now we're in, we're jumping over a gate and we're in someone's backyard. And then now we turn a corner again, we're in a different alleyway. And then they turn a corner and, oh, now we're going into the back of someone's house, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I just, you know, that, that element to it is really suspenseful and you never quite know what's going to happen next as you're watching it. Um, And I love, I love that at a certain point, uh, Patrick Swayze slash Bodhisattva just decides to start going into people's houses yeah, and uh, it really reminded me of uh, actually Predator Two, when, oh. <laughs> when when the predator is climbing up the side of the building and and then goes into that old lady's apartment. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and like knocks down her door and what doesn't she have a line? That old lady has a line, like yeah, I can't remember what like, she says. I don't think he gives a shit. That's it. That's it. I don't think he gives a shit. I don't think he gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for them to turn a corner and there was that old lady with the broom saying, I don't think he gives a shit. I don't think he gives a shit. Exactly. Another another LA movie. Yes, yes. Really dive into the I, I wanna say there's some shots of uh the sun setting in the background during this during this scene. Yeah, it's really uh, great called, lighting. Yeah. Yeah, the the golden hour is what they're aiming for, which um, this is like elusive time during the day. You only have like a few minutes. So you really have to like plan your days back to back to back on that shooting schedule of shooting right at the golden hour if you want it. And there are, there are a few shots where it is clearly golden hour time. It really is. You're right. I did not think about that watching this, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Like it's, it's dusk, but it's not dark yet. Uh-huh. Uh, the light, it, it feels, man, it just feels so LA. I have not spent a ton of time in Los Angeles, but you even if you haven't like you this scene in particular just makes this such a los angeles movie it's such an la movie especially at the end when they end up in the la river like mm-hmm. there again that that just brought me back to like terminator 2 i was like oh the yep. la river yeah <laughs> the la river chase we've been here before we've, we've been here chased. before they don't they don't do quite as much chasing in the la river here it's pretty limited to like you're saying him reactivating the injury yeah I mean, that's what causes him to go down and, and aim his gun, aim his gun at uh, Bodhi as he's climbing up. But um, I thought it was interesting, a little bit of trivia in that this isn't Patrick Swayze doing all the stunts and all the running in this foot chase. It's actually his stunt double, really? Scott Wilder, because at the time of filming this scene, Patrick Swayze is doing the press tour for Ghost. Oh, he moved on. Yeah, he, he had moved on, and yeah, I, I think, honestly, I think that's, like, one of the big drawbacks overall of the movie for me is the fact that his crew and him are wearing the masks during the robberies. Mm. I just never feel like I know the crew, so when people are dying and his crew later on in the movie, I just feel no connection. Like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know who's supposed to be what president. They haven't really taken any time to flesh out the characters really at all. There's no... Dylan or Mac or Billy moment. Right. You know, that's, that's really true. It's just, who are these people who are dying? Like, Oh wait, is this the brother of Patrick Swayze's character? I don't, I'm not picking up that throughout the rest of the movie until like just now. 
Yeah, you know, even in the surfing scenes, yeah, um, they don't really take time to introduce us to any of those characters. I couldn't even tell you any of their names. Yeah, um, you're right. They are just sort of like crew members or like surfer friends. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess I wonder on a script level if it was just time, like they didn't want to, you know, this movie cooks, it moves so fast. Right. And maybe they just didn't feel like there was enough time to flesh out all those characters. And so they just kept them kind of peripheral, but uh, that's true. Like they, you, you really feel nothing about whether they live or die for that matter. Um, right. they're, they're just, uh, the extra guys in the crew. Yeah. Right. Mm. It's not like heat where you're seeing right. a Tom Sizemore go down, who by the way is in this movie uncredited as the DEA agent who's bust. They totally mess up by. Oh my God. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a that, surfer version of Tom Sizemore. It's so funny. He's not credited. Like he's not in the credits of the movie. Yeah. It says uncredited on the, uh, Oh the man, that's media. funny. I forgot about, you know, I always forget that he has that cameo until he pops up and he's like, thanks a lot, man. You ruined it. You yeah. Know, I was undercover for six months or whatever he says. <laughs> he was working deep cover until you, you think decided. I like this hair, man. Oh. You think I like these clothes? My wife wants me to stay at Ramada. I've been working on these fuckers for three months! Three months! <laughs> it's like just your, more of your classic, classic police story. Like, ah, oh, you blew my cover. Oh, right, what were you right. Doing there? Yeah. Every trope imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. DEA, DEA agent Dietz, uncredited. And that's what it says on IMDb for Tom Sizemore. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, so at the at the end of this foot race, we end we do end up in the LA River. I find it interesting that Johnny aggravates his knee here. I assume upon yeah. jumping in, um, but that never seems to come up again. Right, he, he seems to be fine after this, and his knee never really seems to be bothering again. I don't know if they just gloss over that. I'm trying to think about the timeline of the movie. Is there never really a time where it matters after that? I, I know they mention it early on on the beach where. Yeah. <laughs> He's supposedly this undercover officer, but they all knew who he is on the beast. They're like, yeah, number three or number eight or number 12. I can't remember his number, but they all know he played for Ohio State. Right. Yeah. He uh, he injured himself and like wrecked his pro career. Like they all seem to know that. They do. Well, you know, there's no Internet. They can't just they can't just Google him and find out what his current job is, you know, so maybe. He right. That's worried. true. I should yeah. I should keep that in mind that they can't just Google and say whatever happened to Johnny Utah. Right. Um, right. You know, Johnny Utah wife or Johnny Utah feet or Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Utah. <laughs> um, That's just stuff I search for now. I mean, I right. don't know. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We're not going to kink shame. Um, John, no, we're not. <laughs> certainly certainly not around here. <laughs> John, I, I imagine uh, knowing you and the movies you like, you probably have a hard time watching the end of this foot race without thinking of one of your favorite movies, which is Hot Fuzz. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. As soon as you brought up this scene, yeah. firing the gun in the air, I couldn't help but think of Hot Fuzz. And maybe that's the reason I think I had seen Point Break yeah. before is that like Hot Fuzz references a couple times. They do have a little hand says it's time to rock and roll moment. Mm. They quote that in Hot Fuzz. Sergeant Butterman, little hand says it's time to rock and roll. 
bring the noise. And they have the moment where Nick Frost's character, um, yeah, Danny's dad is pointing the gun at him. He, is, <laughs> he somehow escapes the clutches of his dad and has the weapon. He falls to the ground, points the gun at his dad as his dad escaping, and at his dad escaping, and then he points the gun in the air and yells and fires. <laughs> had been foreshadowed earlier in the movie when they watch Point Break together, he and Nicholas Angel, Simon Pegg's character, yeah, um, right before they watch Bad Boys 2, uh, when the <laughs> shit gets real. So they're watching those two DVDs and... Even before that, they foreshadow it. I'm like working backwards here. But even before that, the foreshadow with, with Danny asking Nicholas all these real cop kind of questions like, have you ever done this? Have you ever fired, right, fired right. a weapon in a high-speed high speed pursuit? Have you ever fired your gun in the air while going, ah? Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah. <laughs> right, right. The setup for Point Break, which they watch and which they kind of reenact a couple ways. But but absolutely that just that that torn moment where you can't fire upon someone who you love. You can't fire upon your, your friend or your blood. But it's too bad he doesn't, because it's like it determines the fates of so many people in this movie when he doesn't fire on Bodie Reggett. I know. It's such a bromance moment where he yeah. can't shoot his surfing buddy like oh my god <laughs> and he has to know at this moment that patrick swayze makes him he knows that now johnny utah is fbi see that's the thing is like this is a turning point in the film in that regard like at this point they both know who each other are right it is kind of strange that they both sort of try to pretend like they don't am i am i remembering that right like I'm trying to remember the sequence of events and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It seems like at that moment, like the gig would be up. Like Johnny would have all his FBI bros just go storm the gates. No, he doesn't. He goes to sleep with Lori Petty. Right. <laughs> What's her name in this movie? Is it Tyler? Do I have Tyler. That yep. Tyler. And, yeah. and then right after that, Patrick Swayze and the gang come and kidnap Johnny to take him, what is it? Do they take him skydiving after this? They take him skydiving in which you're right. They're kind of playing off the fact that they're enemies. And then right after that, you see Tyler who's been thrown into like kind of the hostage role for the rest of the movie. Right. But that's why that, that skydiving scene has always sort of rubbed me the wrong way because they both know exactly who each other are. Right. I don't know. Like wouldn't, Johnny, maybe he's just outgunned, outmanned in that moment. He can't do anything about it. But wouldn't he try to take down Tyler right in that, or not Tyler, but take down Bodie right in that moment? Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting watching it through this time. Was I was expecting right. some kind of takedown, but then that's just foreshadowing for their skydiving scene uh, just a few minutes later, in the, well, 20 minutes later in the movie, where he does chase him without the parachute. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, he's not really thinking this through, this Johnny. It's like he's young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> <laughs> Great scene. I love this movie. 
This was really fun to talk about with you. I'm really glad that this felt like a first time watch. That's always yeah. fun when we run into that. Um, it's happened a couple times for us on this project and, and it's always a good, adds a little element uh, to hear someone's perspective on a movie that, you know, maybe one of us has watched over and over again, many times throughout mm-hmm. our life. And we're just, and the other person's just now catching up with it. So I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. It sounds like you did. It, it's a good one. Thanks. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. I like the uh, ground it's laying for all the fast and furious movies, of course. Sure. <laughs> it's like the fa- the first fast and furious movie pretty much follows this to a T with mm. the difference being that fast and furious, Brian, I think is his name. Um, Paul Walker's character just kind of eventually becomes one of the gang. Yeah. Where right. Johnny Utah is pretty straight and narrow with his, FBI training, except for the moment where he does not shoot Bodhi. That's right. kind of the one big hiccup is him just fraternizing to the point of not taking down the enemy. Yeah, Johnny Utah is not going to start stealing uh, TVs with built-in VCRs. That's for right. Sure. right. <laughs> I can't believe the franchise started out like that. Yeah, they're like battling interstellar crime or something like that. I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know. Don't even know. Uh, 1991, John. We've talked about 1991. <laughs> have we? We have. We have. Because the number one movie of 1991 is Terminator 2 Judgment Day, the very first episode of this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, how did Point Break fare in uh, 1991? But Point... No, no problem. From what I found, Point Break number, number 29 in... Okay. 1991 box office dollars, but that was according to Box Office Mojo, mm-hmm. which is only counting the domestic. We're looking at the worldwide gross, and I don't know where to find that information. But, mm. but still, uh, still was a success. Yeah, still what 83 yeah. million worldwide on a 24 million dollar budget. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like you're saying at the top, making bigger stars out of Keanu and Patrick Swayze. Uh, and Catherine Bigelow as well. And, of course, uh, John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox. You bother me! Of course. Of course, <laughs> Dr. Cox. Yeah, um, top 10 from 91. Uh, we've we've mentioned this before, but real quickly, it was Terminator 2, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Beauty and the Beast, Hook, Science of the Lambs, JFK, Naked Gun 2 and a Half, <laughs> The Addams Family, Cape Fear and Hot Shots comes in at number 10, which Hot Shots. really kind of blows my mind, but you know, Hot Shots. I guess parodies were big. Yeah, parodies are huge. You got the, I was going to say Robin Hood, never mind. That's not the parody, but <laughs> the parody would come out later, but you have the, uh, the Naked Gun two and a half movie, which still boggles my mind that that is that high up. I know, it's crazy. Because the first one definitely wasn't that high. The second one has to be the highest out of the three. I think so, yeah. And the third one has a huge drop-off. But yeah, Naked Gun and Hot Shots making it into the top ten. Hmm. Excellent. Um, all right, well, should we um, – oh, wait. We have to we, – we have a couple things to discuss here. We need to decide, is this better than Predator? And then we need to do some recommends. And then you need to reveal the next movie. Right, what's at stake? What's at stake? That's the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, sometimes uh, on this uh, podcast, we try to decide if the movie is better than Predator. 
Yeah. It's a silly exercise because there are many times when the movie does, it's a dumb comparison. Um, right. However, I think this uh, falls into a good, this is a good comparison. Sure. Um, two action movies starring action, big action stars, um, Keanu, who would become a big action star, um, around relatively the same time period. So I think these are, this is a, a good one to compare. So I'm going to throw it to you, John. I think I know your answer, but um, is Point Break better than Predator? Ooh, uh, I mean, mm, <laughs> no. <but laughs> I mean, I, I mean, as, as lean as this movie is, I feel like it still kind of veers off and back and off and back again. And when I compare it to the things I like about Predator, which is just like how lean and straightforward that movie is um, and how it's just kind of settled on one perspective. Um, and even though I don't, well, no, I guess we dip into Bodhi's point of view a little bit in this movie. Yeah, I just, I just think it's a little bit repetitious with the bank robberies and with the skydiving, with the surfing. Um, but it is an enjoyable time. It is a good snapshot into early 90s action and to like peak Swayze at his action-ist, if you will, and seeing um, Keanu being born as, a, as an action star. Uh, and seeing Bigelow really practice those action chops as a director. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so it, it's awesome for all those things. Um, as far as bromances go, this one has it in spades between Keanu <laughs> and Patrick, uh, where Predator doesn't really have the romance. Um, you see a little bit of, of that between Dutch and Dylan. Dylan! Dylan! Um, uh, but yeah, I'm probably picking up Predator most of the time from the table if Predator is next to mm. Point Break. But it's a nice double feature. Um, it is I a good actually watch feature. this first and then Predator second. That's a good, that's an excellent double feature. I agree. Yeah. That's a yeah. fun, that's a great night of the movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, what about you, Jeff? What's at stake here? Um, <laughs> we have Point Break or Predator. You know, I might, I might surprise you here a little bit or maybe not. I'm not sure what you think I'm going to say, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Point, Point Break is near and dear to my heart. It's it's one of my favorite action movies of this era, and um, era, era, and uh, it's it's the emergence of Keanu Reeves. I am an FBI agent. It has Gary Busey in it. Utah, give me two. I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. It has a heist in it, mm. um, and one of my favorite uh, chase scenes of all time. And so I, I have to give it to Point Break here. Wow. I'm going to do it. I love this movie. This is one of my favorites. That's uh, one of the reasons why I chose it. I wanted to to spend some time with you talking about it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to maybe a little surprise there, but I, I'm going to give it to Point Break, one of my faves. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's fair. And uh, to be fair, it's one that probably looks really good with all the sound and vision systems at at their max. I know you like having a little it, it does, miniature yeah. theater at home. I do. Yeah. Watching this, uh, you know, restored on a, on Blu-ray is, um, a fantastic experience. So I highly recommend it. Mm. Do, do you like when he surfs himself to, to death at the end of the movie? <laughs> the whole, okay. So we didn't really talk about the ending and, uh-huh. um, 
I had kind of forgotten a little bit about the ending. Like I said, I've seen the first half of this movie way more than the second. Uh-huh. One, I had forgotten that Gary Busey dies for one. Yeah, um, I think I think his character is like he. Yeah, I see him as just like I said earlier, like lucky to be alive as long as he's lived as this kind of freewheeling, sure. yeah. carefree, like no protections in place kind of uh, FBI agent. Right. It, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I have always remembered that um, Bodhi dies by uh, surfing in a gigantic storm off the coast of Australia. And uh, I just, I think, I think it's kind of a perfect ending to this movie. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I also love how Keanu is head to toe in denim in that scene. <laughs> and like in the middle of a rainstorm, like you yeah. don't wear, uh, we're from the Pacific Northwest. We know that when it's raining outside, the last thing that you grab is a denim. Yes. And, and, uh, especially a denim jacket. That's a kiss of death. So mm-hmm. I, I love, I love that he just throws caution to the wind and now he's wearing a jacket that probably weighs uh, 70 pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right. But anyway, point break, uh, fantastic movie. Everybody watch it. So right. we're going to get to recommends here and then you're going to reveal the next movie. Um, do you want to go first on recommends? What are you feeling? Sure, yeah, I'll go first on recommends. Okay. Um, something I'm watching or playing. I guess I'll go with what I'm playing these days. I'm playing a lot of the newest Lego Star Wars video game that came oh, out. Oh, is that good? It, it is good. It's uh, yeah. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. And I haven't played a Lego Star Wars game since probably the first one back in 05, I want to say, for the oh, wow. original Xbox. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's been a while. It's been a while. Been a while. Yeah, um, and if you forget anything about Lego Star Wars games, like they're just incredibly easy, very forgiving games, really meant for kids. But like the production design is just crazy with like how in depth they are with the storytelling and the gameplay and all the details, like the graphical details and the character mm. details, and just like all the little in jokes you could think of for Star Wars fans are there for all nine movies now, all nine saga movies and it's just been a joy to play through those that's movie fun versions of those games or game versions of the movies yeah it is it, it is quite fun um and it's just a very deep game in terms of like the characters you can unlock and the different weapons you can use the different sound effects the different music cues the different settings you're you're exploring that are not really that are not that are not really explored in the movies themselves it's always neat to have that opportunity to do that um but I, I would say the one drawback, though, is, excuse me, it's just like an overall lack of action. There's there's a lot of, like, action or battle scenes that I would, as a Star Wars fan, uh, feel are missing from mm. uh, the game itself. Where I'm seeing these prime opportunities for uh, action stages that are just not there, unfortunately, um, that I'd expect there to be in the game. And then sometimes when they are, they're just really lightly done. Where it's like, well, here's the four stormtroopers you have to take out during the scene. It's like, well, that seems a lot bigger and more involved in the movie, which is kind of rare for a video game take on a movie. But overall, really solid gaming experience. Um, yeah, that's Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Nice. All right, yeah. I I saw that pop up on I believe Switch. I think it's available on Switch. Yeah, it's it's on all the platforms, but okay. I'm playing it all on Switch because it's so nice just to be able to 
pick it up and move it around. Carry yeah, it yeah. And I saw that pop up and I was wondering if that was decent. It seemed, I feel like I, I heard a little buzz about it. So maybe I'll have to check it out. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. What, what right. about you, Jeff? What do you have to recommend? Yeah. All right. I'm going to recommend a TV show that my wife and I recently burned through. And, um, you know, we record these podcasts well before they come out. So by the time this actually comes out and people listening to this, uh, this might be old hat. And um, maybe most of you out there have already seen this. But if you haven't, this is a show you need to watch. Um, the show is called Severance. 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 Oh, I've heard of that one. Yes. Um, it is an Apple TV show original um, starring Adam Scott and John Turturro. And with a small part by, um, by um, oh shoot, uh, why am I blanking? A guy Christopher from- Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken, thank you. Um, and uh, it is fantastic. I, I love uh, shows that are kind of like um, near future shows, like shows that take place in sort of a, the setting that's slightly in the future with just sort of a slight bend on how technology has influenced our society. And that is the premise of this show. It's without giving too much away. It's basically about um, a company that um, allows you to become severed, which means that when you walk into the workplace, as soon as you walk in uh, your brain essentially turns off and you can't remember anything about your workday. And then when you walk out of the workplace, your brain kind of turns back on and now you're back out in the real world. And so it basically feels like you walk into work and immediately turn around and walk back out if you are out in the real world. So it allows you that to- That sounds lovely. Yeah, so it allows you to work um, without having any memory of your work. The issue is, if you think about this, like there is an alternate version of you that exists inside this company that also has the same experience where they are a living, breathing human, uh, but they have never seen the outside world. As soon as their workday is done, they walk to the elevator and they walk in and, and their, their brain turns off. And then a split second later, the brain turns back on as they're walking back into work. Huh. And so the show posits this idea about basically a person who has two versions of themselves, one who exists inside the company and one who exists outside. And neither one has any knowledge of what each other is doing. And um, it kind of goes from there. And so the story is sort of about, it kind of goes back and forth about the inside versions of people and their outside versions. And um, trying some events happen where they want to start to try to figure out what's going on in either world and the way that it's put together and the way the kind of future technology is represented is really fantastic. And um, one of the better shows I've watched in the last several years. And uh, there's eight or nine episodes of season one. And I believe it's already been picked up for season two. I don't know when that's coming out, but um, mm check out severance i can't recommend it enough it's really really good it starts off as kind of a slow burn but man once it picks up like i was binging until that that final episode it's really really good and would you say like the mood is more 
I don't know how to, I, I don't even like thriller or suspense or dark humor or all the above. There's a little bit of both. There's some dark humor in it for sure. Um, but it's, it's more of a slow burn sci-fi thriller slash mystery. Hmm. There's not really a lot of action, but um, the way the events start stacking up um, really starts to build this great suspense between the versions of the people on the inside world and their counterparts on the outside Hmm. and how they try to start communicating with each other. And um, yeah, it's really clever and uh, I've never really seen a show like it. And it's, 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 it's pretty great. So, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's one I've seen a lot of ads for and I love Adam Scott. Yeah. Adam Scott's great in it. He's really okay. good. Yeah. All right. Well, John, we have reached the moment in the show where you tell us what movie we're going to watch next. I'm so excited. I want to know. Oh man. I've been like wishy-washy. I thought I had a really solid one going into the show, but it's then, so hard to choose. It's so hard to choose because there are like, at least one scene per movie out there. And I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> you <laughs> so, have. Yeah. So it's like, what do I pick? And I, I can't help, but pull a scene from just a, a movie that I've always enjoyed ever since I first saw it, wherein one ex Johnny Utah goes to rep goes to rescue his mentor figure. Um, so I'm yeah I'm gonna be talking about 1999's The Matrix, <gasps> wherein Neo has to rescue Morpheus from Agent Smith. so sure was real. What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? It's the question that drives us, Neo. What is the Matrix? It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. You are a slave born into a prison for your mind. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. So you're here to save the world. I'm trying to free your mind, Neo, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through. It seems that you've been living two lives. I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips of them and hit nothing but air. Everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. So what do you mean? Guns. Lots of guns. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Mr. Anders. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. 
trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. God, I've been wondering this whole time if one of us would choose the Matrix. Yeah, you oh gotta, you gotta go the Matrix. Is between that and something else, I'll save for another time. But yeah, absolutely. I just, I love yeah. that we're doing double Keanu. Double Keanu, oh, dude, dude. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? Sixty-nine, dudes. <gasps> It's like the natural progression. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be able to talk about Keanu again because, you know, why not? It's our show. Yeah. Let's talk about Keanu every episode. Yeah. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about the scene when he goes to rescue, when Morpheus is, like, chained up in that chair. Yes. Yeah. I, and I, I'll definitely include some of the Agent Smith dialogue with mm. it's the smell. And, it's the you know, smell. It's the smell. It's the smell. Um, it's the smell. You're a virus. You're a virus. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. Oh, I'm excited. I'll have to narrow it down, but in like, it's been one of the scenes kick around in my mind for the past few months. And it's just a movie I, I watch like, Probably every couple of years. There's Absolutely. not a whole lot of movies I'll watch every couple of years, but that's on the list for sure. I own The Matrix on uh, 4K Blu-ray. Of course you do. <laughs> yep. So I will be uh, popping that in again with delight. Uh, any excuse right. to rewatch The Matrix from 1999 um, is a good excuse. So that's exciting. Awesome. I can't wait. All right. That sounds awesome. Excited to uh, take that on the whole matrix franchise can't wait mm-hmm. um all right should we wrap it up here oh yeah let's wrap it up so uh here towards the end we talk about where people can find us jeff so where can people find you jeff? oh you can find me on the twitter i am carl underscore hungus 314 jeff glover find me on the twitter my name is carl h expert uh john where can we find all things seen at all with jeff and john I'm glad you asked. You can find us on Twitter at seen it all. That's at S C E N E it all underscore. Hmm. And and that's all just the seen all underscore <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. And you can email the show seen it all podcast at gmail.com. That's S C E N E it all podcast at gmail.com. Or you can join the Facebook group seen it all with Jeff and John on Facebook. And awesome. I don't have a whole lot to report there on either on 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 any of those three fronts. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know, this is uh, this is our hobby podcast. We you know we put out uh, episodes when we're able to, and uh, if anybody out there in the ether is enjoying it, uh, we are happy for you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so yeah. Thanks if you are tuning in at some point now or in the future thank you very much for listening and thank you jeff for uh talking point break with me hey this was super fun happy to do it yeah but 
For now, the little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Time to rock and roll. Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Time to rock and roll. So we are out. So for all things seen it all with Jeff and John, I've been John Sabrisky. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. What what does he say is uh, not sayonara? Is it sayonara? Oh yeah, I think he says sayonara. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, I know what I'm thinking. It's viacon. It's viacon dios. Oh, oh no, yeah, yeah, viacon dios. Viacon dios. It's Spanish for go with God. Right. <laughs> uh, fun fact: I have a sticker on my little beer fridge in the garage that uh, I've had for years. That's uh, like a little cartoon drawing of Keanu, and it says viacon dios. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Where did that come from? Oh, uh, the internet. Internet. <laughs> I was looking for some sticker about something and I came across that, so I bought that sticker. Nice. <laughs> nice. Vaya con Dios. Oh, I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. Man, that should have ordered three. Should order three, yeah. She's like, Johnny, Johnny, make it two or give me two. Utah, give me two. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when Bobby D says you're talking to me. You can go to the diner for a meal with Meg. You can yell at your class, stab yourself in the leg. You can upgrade your boat for when sharks attack. You can be like Arnold, tell him I'll be back. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna scene yeah you wanna see like when bobby d says you're talking to me jeff and john talk scenes and quotes jeff improvises while john takes notes from mozambique to montreal you can join in the chat on scene it all you wanna see yeah you wanna see like when the xenomorph took out harry dean you wanna see yeah you wanna see like when bobby d says you're talking to me Seen it all with Jeff and John.